It is Miggy420, your accidental journalist. And here we're talking with Cole Preston from the Chillin' Noise podcast, me and Tom. Cole, thank you so much for joining us on 420 Somewhere, where we talk about people that are in the industry and about various things that they're doing. And so thanks for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell people about what you're up to? Yeah. First, Tom, Miggy, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back on the show. I appreciate your time and I appreciate the invitation. I'm a huge fan of the show, so it really means a lot. My name's Cole Preston. I'm the host of the Chillinois podcast, and I'll just say that the Chillinois podcast is your go-to source for informed, open discussion on civil liberties. Each episode tackles pressing issues such as the decriminalization of drugs, the latest developments in the cannabis industry, and so much more. You can hear from a diverse range of guests including to industry insiders, advocates, entertainers, musicians, and more. They bring their unique perspectives to the conversation. So tune in to the Chillinois podcast to stay informed and engaged on the issues that matter most. You can just go to chillinois.net slash podcast, pick your preferred streaming platform, and listen to our show from there. By all means, they should, because I really like your, you have quite the plethora of guests. Your network covers your guys' Illinois market so well. You, your, your, your social media does, right? You're also always the ent on Reddit, right? My trees. So if you go to iltrees.com, that's an easy way to get there. We just hit 30,000 subscribers the other day. So cheers nice. to folks on IL Trees. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It. Is that linked on your website? No, it's not linked on my website anymore. People on Reddit are fucking weird. Can I curse on the show? Can I curse on the show? Yes. Um, that we don't get in trouble for mild cursing interspersed. Okay. We get in trouble for showing pictures of plants. Yeah. Yeah. People on Reddit are weird. And so I'm one of the moderators, but I'm part of a moderation team. And so I'm the only face that people can find behind aisle trees. And as such, I am the punching bag. Oh, um, so I, I just try to, if you look on aisle trees, you'll see that it's obviously associated with me, but yeah, yeah I just moderate behind the scenes there because okay. it's a great place for people that are Illinois, in Illinois or are visiting Illinois and yeah. want to find out like, Hey, What's going on in Illinois is sometimes people are looking to find good weed. And of course, Tom, as you might expect, the responses are always hilarious. They're like, yep. if you're looking for good weed in Illinois, maybe you should go to another state. Some, sometimes Damn. people give them helpful suggestions. Again, it's Reddit. So it's Reddit. It's the internet. And so yeah. garbage in, garbage out. You're yeah. going to get some garbage. It's, there's some com comedy out there. that's like, how come people are against anything? Because somebody is for something else. So as soon as you're for something, you're like, I like puppies. Somebody else is going to come in and be like, fuck puppies. They suck. They be everywhere. And they take craps. And they'll just hate it because you like it, which mm -hmm. is how when you look, when you zoom out and look at the society, you're like, huh, that's how it is. These people think these people are idiots. And these people think those people are idiots. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a big circle yeah. jerk. Yeah, so, maybe in Seattle. I don't know. But uh, hey, but uh, I was going to ask Cole. So how did you get into podcasting, man? Yeah, that's a good question that I don't know that I've ever talked about publicly, but I've been in, into podcasting. I would I always say before it was cool. So I had a podcast when I was, I think, in like eighth grade or something. So this was in 
2007, 2012, somewhere around there. I'm high. I can't remember when I was in what age, but it was before podcasting was right. all the hurrah. Before your, every neighbor on your street had a podcast, right? <laughs> Joe Rogan was like, man, did you hear that? It was Joe Rogan podcast. Joe, that podcast blew up Yeah, six, seven yeah, years so- ago. Yeah. I don't know that anybody ever actually listened to it. I hope nobody did because I actually found it in the past and I was like, wow. <laughs> when you're like awful. seven, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've Lazy, got, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've got like my little kid voice and I'm like trying to do the podcasting thing. So what was it, it about? Like, cookie, uh, <laughs> which ones are good? The podcast would get a bazillion downloads. It was actually, like, you may not be surprised now that I've told you a little bit about myself, yeah. but it was about technology. So, oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to cover all the new things. At the time, it was like the iPhone was coming out and new thing. Yeah, the smartphone was starting to become the smartphone. So did you hear that Twitter has bootstrap? It's 2009, right? We're going to invent responsive web design. Yeah, Yeah, no, literally when I was podcasting, I remember the first time I heard somebody say, oh, this is my Twitter handle. And I was like, what the fuck is it? What are what do those two words even mean? And yeah, Yeah, sure. Twitter Twitter became a thing. The social media is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I love watching your content and your uh, your channel. Like, well, you've covered, like you said, mushrooms, the sexual sex workers industry. People should really check you out. They want to just have an open mind. And uh, how many times have you had Tommy Chung on twice already? Yeah, and I don't mean to blow up your spot, but that's thanks to you folks. You got to give credit where credit is due. I think you even connected me with the Pop Brothers at Law. Yeah, um, so I'm still I've trying to some... get them on the show. We got to get the, you. Can you call us back and get the Pop Brothers yeah. at Law on the show? Yeah, no, I'll do that for sure. I, I owe you more than sure. one. So for some reason, I thought you had facilitated that connection. But yeah, Tommy Chong, Maybe. credit to you guys. I've had sure. people like Abdullah Saeed, yes. uh, David Bienenstock, who you might recognize from like back in the day, Vice, Bong Appetit, all that stuff. Yeah, yep. The Weed History guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great podcast too. Great moments in hitting weed. That's what it was, right? That's the thing. This yes. is it's, it's 420 somewhere, maybe not literally, but figuratively. And Holy so God. we want to have people that are in the industry on the podcast so that we can have these types of episodes where we talk about what they're doing and how they got in it and how it's it's progressing. Because we'll do stuff about business and we'll do stuff about the news. But then you should really talk about like how it is to actually be in the cannabis industry as a lifestyle and a hustle and a dodge because it's relevant and people want to get in. And then once you're in, then what do you do? You start a podcast. But it's a multifaceted conversation, right? Like Tom, we this podcast has evolved from different things when it was a Google Hangouts it was with Tom and I mm-hmm. used at the beginning. And then Google right. decided not to use that no more. And it, we were just recording our conversation and posting it up, right? Not even doing a live. And then like most of our audiences when we're live for a little bit. And sometimes that's overwhelming. Remember we had Dr. Ethan in on and it said like 10K. I don't think the numbers are correct. I still question how remember we're like, holy shit, we had somebody like- put a bot on us. And so that was fake views. But right. they can buzz views up. If I'm sure Google has cracked down on that, but there's ways that you can do it. One of the things that we'll be doing more this year are videos that are specifically tailored to the algorithm itself. So you expect a lot of eight to 12 minute videos that are scripted that answer specific things that are useful to you and tune in. It's all about content, man. That's how one of the ways we started doing it besides covering the news was like we wanted to capture the culture and the history. We had Keith drop on. Yeah, we got to have him back. That's the thing. And so I got to start asking more people back. But then hopefully next year I'm able to go to more of the events. I didn't really do any trade shows. I did one in 2022, Jersey City. Events are fun. (laughs) I miss yeah. events. 
Hey, cool. Are you guys doing events? Are you, are you traveling with the pod? Or? We've done a little bit of traveling. We went, for example, we did a series of podcasts with Southern Illinois University. So they did an event called Hemp Hop Shrooms, which, of course, oh, wow. I'm all in for all of that. Yep. <laughs> so it was really cool. There was hemp. There was hops. In other words, beer. And yes, there were shrooms. Cool. And uh, not only wow. culinary, but uh, fun kind. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've done some traveling, not as much as I'd like to. I, so I've been doing this. I was looking it up before I got on. I think I've been doing this now for two years, three years now. I started in April of 2020. And I just, back to your original question, I wanted to start a podcast and I wanted something to talk about. Illinois just legalized cannabis. Here's something to talk about. Oh, um, nice. And so it started as cannabis and a lot of people know us as a cannabis podcast. But like you say, Miggy, we've had people from psychedelic companies in Australia, Sam Bannister. We really, we dip our toes into psychedelics. We talked to, we've talked to the Satanic Temple of Illinois. Right. As you mentioned, we're currently doing a series on the legal sex industry in the United States. And really quick, I just, since I've got the time to, people have been asking me, why are you doing a series on legal sex? I thought you were a weed podcast. Again, as I just told you, we're not just a weed podcast. We'll talk about anything. But I'm doing a series on legal sex, not to talk about the sex at all. It's not like, hey, what's your technique in the bedroom? That's not the conversation. I wanted to just briefly address like why. So similar to cannabis, the legal sex industry is quasi-legal and it's subject to, it's categorized as taboo and is largely subject to social stigma. So, you know, that's, those are a few similarities really quick. But one of the things I learned when I started trying to learn about the Illinois cannabis was that as you, Tom, there's about 18 companies that are supplying the entire cannabis industry. And actually six of them, six of the 18 are the ones that are pumping out most of the volume, according to some past reporting by, I think, grown in. When you're the only show in town, you can mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck you want. And That's we've right. seen that with true, with the bad working conditions. We've seen it in Illinois with why are people pushing to unionize? Because they're the only show in town and they don't treat you like good employees. Okay. So back to the legal sex industry, there are only 21 brothels in the state of Nevada, only 21 brothels in the United States of America, oh, legal wow. brothels, well, legal brothels. That's right. Legal brothels. Yes. That's I, right. I'm that's sitting in a place where Richard Pryor was raised in a brothel. Oh, shit. Not legal, <laughs> raised there. I've even seen there are still brothels in Peoria, believe it or not. No, sure. But even in Ohio, I don't know if you guys know about real workers. They were, when they were working, they would bring in girls to work in some of these. Sex is well, like this weird yeah. taboo thing that we freaking do. And it's Forget that we needed. Yeah. Or do it or whatever, but it's yeah. just another prohibition that doesn't work. Yeah. So I guess just to wrap up that thought, one of the things I learned was the, that the Illinois cannabis industry or industries like that, where there, there are strict controls, high barriers to entry, they create a power differential between the worker and the owner. So similarly, there's a huge power differential between the worker and the owner in that industry. And really the series centers on this, these questions. Is this the world's oldest profession? Is it the world's oldest exploitation? Or is it somewhere in the middle? I heard a lot of very empowering stories, but also a lot of very frightening and graphic stories. And so if people want to check that out, not a lot of people, honestly, in my original audience have been very interested in this, but that's not necessarily who this is for. It's for everybody to learn 
what the hell's going on today in the United States of America. So chillinoy.net slash sex. We can get back to cannabis talk since we're on cannabis legalization news. <laughs> There's that, but about the industry. And so if you were from Vice News, I'm sure we'd be also able to talk about other things. It's an interesting aspect on it. It's related in the sense that it's not even regulated. It's just criminalized in 49 out of 50 states. And yes. then where it is regulated, 21 brothels. But it's only Nevada. It's... There's 21 grows in the state of Illinois, and it's got twice the population or three times the population in Nevada. It's still exploited. Yeah, a lot of room for exploitation. Yeah, a prohibition that enables more bad behavior than it does good. Like, whether it be go to jail for a plant or go to jail because you're horny. Yeah, but then it just, it goes to show like how stupid people were in the 20th century that they had these light switch policies where they're like, zero tolerance, drug free. Yeah, Yeah, that's never fucking worked. Yes, but I'm a good person. Oh, I'm glad that you're a good person. I thought I saw you from church. And that's just how they are. It's, oh, we can't do that. The policy is zero. That's it. There is no policy. And it just, it shows how stupid people are. Yeah. Because they don't have the ability to deal with an issue. So they just say that there's not an issue. You're under arrest. We're fucking your life up. We're throwing you in the clink. We're taking all your shit. Again, yeah. dr- drug tests have gotten all those bad workers. It's we're, There's no sense in any of this bullshit when it comes to them. That's over. I think we're, we, Tom and I have been trying to navigate the law part, right? Like we partnered yeah. up. I've been doing the activism thing. He, I, as a lawyer, understands the law and procedures and stuff like that. What I've been learning through the engagement we've had. Like I've known Tom since MySpace days and, yep. and he'd been helping admin the Facebook group that we converted to the YouTube page as well. Like it's something that we're just trying to build. At least I've been trying to build a network or get the message out there that we just got to change this for the betterment, right? Why is the other side where rather, no, I'm an independent, right? I've always been independent when it comes to a registered voter and whatnot, but most of the time I'll be voting Democrat because I don't understand this, why this other side thinks this is more concerned about my bedroom than it is about actual things that help us get through real policies and, and moving mm-hmm. forward. Like we just, they just passed that infrastructure bill and that was a big deal because it helps keep things moving. I don't know. As an yeah. entrepreneur in the America, I'm just pissed off with both of them because oh, yeah. do you have any idea how expensive healthcare is? And oh, do you yeah. have any idea how unhealthy America is? Our top three killers are basically preventable. Cancer, mm-hmm. heart disease, and COVID. But there are top three killers. And then who's paying the health care bill? The entrepreneurs. And so everybody gets a job at a big place. And then that's just more of that control that the employer has over the employee. Stacked against the entrepreneurs trying to build a company because they're not. Do you have any idea if you're an entrepreneur, you should move to fucking Canada. You move to Ottawa right now. You get free health care. You get free school. So you can pay people less because they have fewer expenses. And they're actually making more. Plus you're in loonies. And so it's 80 cents on the dollar. And then you just sell into America and take all their money. So cool. What's your guys' next topic? Like what, who's your next guest? What do you got besides the uh, sexual? uh... So that's, yeah, that's a project that's basically done. I've just been trying to plug it. But something that we're knee deep in right now is we're doing a research and analysis project on the complete history of cannabis in Illinois specifically. Mm -hmm. So we start in 1978, which is actually when Illinois legalized medical cannabis. Of course, nothing materialized from that as you want, Tom. But we start there. We talk about why nothing materialized. We go to the beginnings of the medical program, and then we segue into how political contributions shaped the market that we know today. Notably, we demonstrate how you can trace political contributions from the existing cannabis companies to 
your elected officials. So again, that's episode 232. If you want some insight into who is financing the campaigns for your elected officials, we show you exactly how to do that. And I got a question. I got a question on that one. Can I get that line item to update my financial models to put the, not bribes, contributions. And so because of my startup costs, you have to capitalize the business. And so we have to have a budget. And so in the budget, line item, check to Springfield or checks <laughs> to Springfield, $250,000. How much money are we talking here? Yeah. So you've actually been following the campaign donations and whatnot from the 80s? Not from the 80s. Actually, we got inspired from the Chicago Tribune, which found that cannabis companies were linked to more than $600,000 in political giving leading mm-hmm. up to adult use in Illinois. Now, Tom, you may be able to fill in the gaps a little bit more than I can. I'm still doing the deep dive on when, but it wasn't, it's like a little bit before 2017, I'm getting the impression, all of a sudden it was free game for cannabis companies to donate to politicians. And there's even an article back in the day on the Chicago Tribune where cannabis companies were like, "Ah, I don't know, I don't think we're gonna do this. And then it's sure enough, the money starts flowing in and it's still flowing into this day. We break down money that's still flowing into this day. And look, this is bigger than cannabis. Once we show you how to trace those donations that have been disclosed. Now that's the key word, Tom. Those are the the contributions that have been disclosed. Uh, These insights though, you can gain from knowing how to trace these types of transactions can have many different applications. In other words, if you're wondering who might have the attention of your elected officials, maybe look into who is bankrolling their campaign. That might give you some insight. Ken Griffin bankrolled Urban. Was it Urban? No, Richard Urban's campaign for governor. There's a billionaire in Illinois. He gave the mayor of Aurora, Illinois, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, to run for governor in the state unsuccessfully, didn't even make it into the general election. But it's true. One of the best investments that you can make very often are political contributions for a business. So when you put money to work, and I might need to do that. I get a good check this year. Boy, I might cut a check to a couple of people. Yeah. Is that a write-off? Might help me out later. Are those write-offs? Are those like technically like legal, just like business cost? Is that a thing? Like how? Yeah, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. And obviously, I know paying off Stormy Daniels shouldn't be, but I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out like what level is. And it was a healthcare benefit. Okay, I'll just check it. Yeah. It's interesting though that you guys had medical in '78, though. I'm just like more. Uh, no, it didn't. It was, it didn't. It, yeah, and it was uh, on yeah. the books though, right? It'd be an affirmative defense no matter what. Yeah. Really, what like, it did was it established escalating per- penalties for cannabis possession under oh, the guise of legalizing medical cannabis. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> a lot of those penalties still exist to this day. That's my number one problem with the way that we legalized cannabis is that anything over 30 grams is still a crime if you don't have a medical card. Correct. Uh, and out-of-staters get caught all the time for having more than 15 grams because for some reason yeah. we cut out-of-staters in half on their possession limit. Correct. So, Which, again, violates wow. the commerce clause. Do yeah. they actually get tickets then, or do, are there actual like violations? Are they pulling in money because of that from malestaters? Oh yeah, DUI citations all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't do criminal law, but if a criminal lawyer wants to work with me at the new office, that would be great. I will help we, him make more money. Yeah, we've had a, a criminal, a cannabis attorney, so a defense attorney, Evan Bruno. He's from Champaign Urbana, and he last time we talked to him, he said even, and that was after 
Illinois had legalized it, quote unquote, he still continues to defend people, mainly out of staters that don't understand that they shouldn't, that they can't have an ounce because in every other state you can have at least an ounce. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's that are legal, of course. Right. Oh, you can <laughs> so, have an ounce anywhere. It just right. depends on who knows about it. <laughs> yeah. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, I mean, it's a crazy, crazy industry. And I just have to say that you'll hear this if you check out episode 232, but at the time, speaking of Champaign-Urbana, there was a representative from Champaign-Urbana, Carol Ammons, who filed a competing bill. It allowed for unlimited growers, true spirit of competition. It allowed well, everybody to grow at home, which nobody, only medical patients can. And guess what it prevented? It prevented politicians from receiving contributions from cannabis companies. I wonder why that bill didn't go anywhere. Wow. Um, It's really hard for politicians or any person to understand anything, provided that their paycheck requires them to not understand it. So (laughs) it's really easy to keep taking the money and be like, I don't understand. Like, why? We need more studies on this weed plant. Yeah, it's I just I still don't get it. Are there any studies? There's fucking thousands of studies over the course of decades. I just don't get it. And they just keep taking the checks. Yeah. No. And to your point, we quote people, several elected representatives that when asked why they voted for the CRTA, why they didn't consider other things or whatever else. Sorry, when they were specifically asked, did these contributions that I was referring to play into their decision making? They said they don't pay attention to their contributions, which I really. Oh, my God. (laughs) How do you know if you're violating the campaign election laws? Wow. You have no compliance in your fundraising policies? See, this is why I like your podcast, Cole, because it's so informative. And actually, you're coming from a very research side of things. As we can tell by my intro, I can't still take this very serious. To me, it's just a, hanging out with my friend. I'm going to make the channel have 100,000 subs, and I still want you to not take it that seriously. Oh, yeah. No, that's the whole goal, right? This is my 2023. Yeah. I want to help make this thing grow. It's part you know? of charm, maybe. Oh, I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> Well, you're very informative, man. Like you actually, and that's what we need when we when it comes to these like podcasts or channels, right? It's not like I used to. I was very the whole influencer thing is just fucking weird, especially coming from someone like who helped like from the beginning of MySpace, me and Tom. But then before that, it was a GeoCities. Like I'm a, a true nerd, like you are. You're like we the Matrix and all that shit. But I don't know. I just different channels of for me it's always been about networking right trying to convince every other citizen every other american i'm not trying to be like i'm special pothead guy i'm just like your neighbor don't yeah. stop fucking with us and there's so much more to this conversation and then there's like if it was like that good for us wouldn't the government make it okay which is like no. the dumbest, right it's the dumbest no. they subsidized thing. fucking cheese of course they're not going to do it for you but I think prohibition, this prohibition has enabled a lot of the conspiracy theory shit that we live with, right? Because America has done some bad shit. And there are some things that are racially biased and been destructive genocide in the name of fucking manifest destiny and all the other bullshit that people are like, oh, we won't want to teach history. Why? Because we are a nation of murderers. Yeah. But now we're in 2023. We should be like, okay. But we're not that no more. We're we going to murder forward. no more. Carelessly. Just, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. We're, well, we're civilized. I just wanted to say you guys were mentioning in the last episode, which people should check out, Tom broke down the new dispensary. What lottery. did you break down? Yeah. The, the new dispensary lottery. lottery for Illinois. If you are special, get in contact with me at tomacollateralbase.com. After you check that out, if you are special and you can be eligible for the lottery, only a very select exclusive list of people can. 
Yeah. So towards the end, we were talking about how the whole time everything's been shrouded in secrecy. And unfortunately, Miggy, I appreciate your comment. I wanted to say that, but unfortunately, like I'm not, I don't have any other options, but to try and put this together myself in absence of transparency. And unfortunately that works. Like I'm a person who tries to give people the benefit of the doubt. There are plenty of people out here that can chalk this up to some crazy ass conspiracy theory. Mm. And there have been, as you Tom, you remember that website, what was it? JB for cannabis corruption or something like it had some arguable accuracies, but it also had a lot of inflammatory language on it. That was Mm, just ridiculous. And, but here's the thing, the state of Illinois is giving an opportunity for people like that to do shit like that and misinform people. And then here I am trying to do a good job, but here's the thing, like the state of Illinois could take ownership by just coming out and being transparent. But of course you guys have grown in, right? That's based out of your guys over mm-hmm. in Illinois, Chicago area. Chicago. Well, I'm just talking mm-hmm. about like for sources of information. Cause part of the thing, cause Cole, like it or not media, right? Like that's the one thing that I've wrapped my head at is like, we are media, right? I've been media. I've been part of cannabis media for over goddamn 10 years and so many various projects and so many different things. You know, I get weird stuff sent to me sometimes or inquiries. So it's not mostly always about helping people like in prison and whatnot, but it's also been like I created a network and somewhat. And I think for you guys, a lot of it, you're going to have to dig more into like journalists. As a journalist, you have rights, right? Like I've gotten more access into events and uh, different things out there because I've been media because I I can amplify a message. But I think with you guys and knowing the transparency, seeing that to find the transparency, you're going to have to do a lot of Freedom of Information Act requests, right? It's kind of like being a a lawyer journalist. You got to know the paperwork. He's an investigatory journalist, as Zoolander would say. Yeah. (laughs) But to find the truth, you have to know the paperwork. And that's kind of a hard thing that we don't do here in America, right? Like most people think, oh, it's going to self out, but it doesn't. The you game's on. Come on. I got plans with the kids this weekend. But Let's to to your point, Miggy, somebody's right. got to do the work. And, and in episode yep. 232, I produced this document that has citations for basically everything that we mention in the episode. So we're not just like blowing smoke. Like you said, we yeah. took the time and did the research. And uh, and that document, if you check out episode 232, you can download it absolutely free. And we're updating this document soon. So stay tuned for that. Unfortunately, well, just- I think that's going to that's gonna come up and that's going to be necessary in New York. That's going to be necessary in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, all state, maybe Texas, see how they roll it out. All these states that are doing this and they're doing it for political purposes where they create this type of social equity hyper regulation so they're going to disperse the licenses to people who can't afford them and it's going to be extremely complex so they aren't going to be able to fight city hall and they can give them to whoever they want yeah and can i talk about social equity really quick i I prepared some words on the subject Mm -hmm. okay and feel free i want to hear your guys thoughts we were talking about in the last episode that social equity in illinois is not the idea that everybody should have the open opportunity Apparently, according to J.B. Pritzker, the social, the idea of social equity is to limit the number of people participating so that other people don't get, quote, edged out, is what he said. So I thought that social equity was the idea that everybody, regardless of their background or circumstances, should have the opportunity to succeed and thrive. I thought it was the belief that every person should have equal access to resources, opportunities, protections, and that the systems and institutions in our society should be designed to promote justice and fairness for all. Just a few more words here. Unfortunately, 
Our society is already full of barriers and limitations that prevent many people from realizing their full potential. These barriers can be economic, social, or political in nature, and they often disproportionately impact marginalized communities, which I thought was the reason we were doing this whole thing. One of the most significant barriers to social equity, in my opinion, is the existence of strict limitations and barriers to entry, and those can take many forms, including economic barriers such as high cost, lack of access to capital, social barriers such as discrimination and prejudice, and political barriers such as laws or regulations that make it difficult for certain people to participate. Like, why stop there? I just don't understand how Illinois has twisted this definition of social equity to mean that it means, like you said in the past, Tom, few participants that then can artificially inflate the value of their product and license. That's the definition of social equity? Okay. Yep. And then I understand if you want to look at the origin story of social equity, you can look at the history of the term itself. It appears to be a euphemism for affirmative action that was invented approximately 25 years ago in the mid-90s. And then <clears throat> there was a 2003 Supreme Court case that came out on affirmative action that was written by Sandra Day O'Connor. The name of it escapes me right now. But it was one of these cases where they said that the violations of equal protection or the bending of equal protection. So everybody's supposed to be equal before the law. There is some merit to having an educational experience that is diverse that leads to allowing for selection criteria, maybe based on protected aspects and your race, your gender, your sexual identity. And they said, well, that's, there's a compelling interest in having that as a part of the learning experience. <clears throat> And that's up under appeal now. And so it's going to be really interesting to see after 20 years, because it'll be 2003 to 2023, when this opinion comes out on affirmative action or social equity, how the current court looks at it. Mm. But if it's one of these things where I get that they want to have, they've changed the definition in Illinois so that it's now census tracts, but you have to be able to prove longtime residency in one of these census tracts where there's poverty high level of poverty. Basically, that means that, but then why does that in and of itself make you socially equitable so that you should get a cannabis license? Why are you qualified to get a cannabis license? Because for the five out of the past 10 years, you've lived in an area that uses a lot of food stamps or that you've been a victim of a gun crime. Why does that make you qualified to own a business that's highly regulated, that's very corporatized, in the yeah. sense that these industry, because owning a dispensary license is hot. Like I usually tell people to have several LLCs in maybe even C-Corps involved. And then you have these shells and these protections. And so you segment the assets into these aspects things. So like the real estate's owned by a different thing. The license is owned by a different thing. You might even have a management company. And then you have this parent C-Corp. So you're going to avoid capital gains taxes and be bought or sold for stocks really easily. And then also exert control over the license holders because you want to be their bank because then it's easy to keep these social equity people in line if they owe the company hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. That doesn't seem like that social equity representation that you guys have in your guys' bill in Illinois, where that requirement is the, what the first section says, like the poor requirement, right? Five, five different ways to be poor. But, and that, but to really create that social equity, I think what they should do in that five ways to be poor, add the here's the $1.5 million loan that we're going to get you started, right? Sure, you can pay the $250 for your lottery ticket, but if you win, 
You should, that's the equity, right? What they see is equity. It's poor people versus people with money. When not parity. It's not parity. It's, it's not parity. Uh, there's an old saying in Russia, formerly Russia, <laughs> Soviet Union. Everybody's equal, but some people are more equal than others. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I am not equal to the social equity applicants. I, uh, I am not as equal as them. I can't play. I can only buy in after they've played. Yeah. What's the word? We're like poor versus it's disparity is what I'm looking for. That's what they're looking at for social equity is like not when we say social equity, we think of all the crime with minorities and how it's been used and how that we think that's the right way it should be implied or applied. But because America and we can't create a law that targets a race because of the past bullshit we've gone through, they got to create a, a description of what they think was going to be harmed, which is still bullshit. Because overall, it'd just be like, everybody gets a chance. Everybody, let capitalism fucking decide. See, no, Replace owning a cannabis license with going to college. Or anything. Or going to school. You have created this system where only these people are allowed to get it. And same, a fair market would be if everybody had a chance to, like, fail. Right, be New Mexico. Right. And that's my thing. That's where I'm coming from. I think that you should at least have the chance to fail. Here's my thing, Miggy, to your point. And Tom, I'm curious, like what your perspective is, since you like people probably that have even won licenses. I've talked to many people that have licenses and I'm like, look, after all that you've been through, wouldn't you be the first in line to advocate for a more open and equitable cannabis market? You know what the answer is? No. They wow. see the value in this system. They see the value in their golden ticket. They got theirs. Uh, they got no. theirs. Yeah. That's so funny. You guys know I've met several people here who are trying to sell theirs, and they're not even trying to sell theirs at a 0.5 million or whatever profit. They're just trying to get out of it because they're tired of trying to survive. We can list the real estate for them and try to like sell the business and let me know. We could, You have to dress up your books. You have to get your company ready to sell it. There's things that we can help them out with to, to get ready for that. That's what we do over at Collateral Base. But it's one of those deals where they have this ticket and their financial models are not fuck withable then because they have a monopoly. It's like, how much oil can you pump? You get the oil pump. Who else is pumping this oil? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. That's the downside. More retail locations, more oil is going to get pumped in Illinois. The price will go down, but I want to see the quality go up. The quality in Michigan and the price point is ridiculous. And then you come back to Illinois and you're like, you guys aren't going to get away with this for much longer. We need more licenses, more licenses. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can put it in a bottle, the only people that complain about a more open and fair market are people that have to compete in a more open and fair market. The people that don't complain in those markets are the customers who get affordable cannabis as a result right. of that competition. No, I got clients that are business owners too, and they know that it's a competition. And so that there's no prohibition against opening a gas station or mm -hmm. a chain of restaurants, or I have a lot of clients that are also in the cannabis industry. So they own several dispensaries, but they own them in states like Washington or something mm -hmm. where they probably had to acquire those. It's high barriers to entry. That's still going to be the name of the game of the cannabis industry. It's still going to be expensive to get into the game. We, we were talking before, Cole, and you've figured out how to prove and we can get, you can hopefully get more into it, but 
how this is social equity in, at least in Illinois is really a scam because you have social equity winners who are not social equity really flush with cash that come from money. What were you but saying? They about? lived in an area where I was gonna say, they, they meet the Illinois definition of social equity, but whether or not, yeah, I, that's my thing is that what we were sold and what was actually in the fine text. Tom, you're saying, I love how you've been saying yeah. it. The most equitable and accessible. Is that what he said? Yeah, the most it's equitable. The, it's, it's in the press. It's, no, it's in, it's, New York, you check out, go follow the OCM and follow whatever Illinois are. Hopefully, eventually, Illinois just has one cannabis regulator. But they are both saying the most accessible and equitable cannabis industry in the country. Yeah. And they say that New York. outsiders come away with the idea that you have, Miggy. And why wouldn't you come away with that idea? But it's not what they mean. But also, like when we were talking earlier, though, you were saying how one of these social equity winners in your guys' state, I guess one part belonged to that, the uh, rule board program. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can say it really quick just for folks that maybe didn't see it and want to look it up. So yeah. the, the wealthy and connected owners, and this is from reporting on the from the Chicago Tribune, November 10th. The headline is Illinois issues first two social equity marijuana dispensary licenses and one shop expected to open soon in River North. Really quick, the connections that Miggy is referencing to the Green Rose, which was, as Tom said, the first social mm -hmm. equity dispensary included restauranteur Phil Stefani, former CTA director John Trotta, consultant who was connected to another cannabis company, Ataraxia, or many people know his mm -hmm. name was Ross Morale. And then this is the best one, Jay Stewart. He's the former head of IDFPR, which controls cannabis licensing for the state. It sounds like a lot of poor people. Most made. equitable and accessible cannabis industry in the United States. <laughs> Ladies Best believe me, people. Damn. <laughs> it's a sham. It's a sham. Shenanigans. I'd say it's shenanigans. There's a lot of shenanigans, but there's great stuff that's happening in New, New Jersey, New Mexico. There are states that are doing it well, and there are states that are doing it right. But it's still going to be highly regulated, expensive, and the market will regulate it and the communities will regulate it because they aren't going to want 19. It's not going to be like bars overnight where there's yeah. a million pot shops. But yeah. in theory, there's no reason why it couldn't be like that in 30 years. As another generation comes up and they're like, yeah, I don't understand why they were regulating it like that. They were treating it like it was like plutonium. It was illegal and like taxes and meh. Mm -hmm. It's just like beer, but not as bad for you. When it was yeah. medical, we had pot shops like Starbucks here. And now the, it was like a thousand pot shops. The, the market's not even close to what it used to be when it was medical. I just wanted to switch the subject to somebody I'd love to see on your show mm -hmm. than on my show. I'd love to see you guys have somebody on from Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Oh, goodness. I don't know how we would do it. <laughs> I would get the doll and like, pretend. Show me on the doll where marijuana has <laughs> Have you seen my Twitter? I'm banned by Kevin Sabat. Fucking block me. Oh, he did? Wow. Oh, yeah. uh, years ago. Yeah, he can't right. handle the heat from Miggy. The plug I was making is episode 226. I hosted a structured conversation between a well-known cannabis advocate, Justin Streckel, who mm -hmm. you might know as the yep. former pro political director of Normal, yeah. and a well-known anti-cannabis advocate, Jordan Davidson. And I've hosted several conversations with Jordan Davidson. I love, and I love talking to people that I disagree with. So if that's sure. something you would like to hear, check out that, folks that are listening right now. It's episode 226. So, yeah, no, I think that's very. I saw that that you did that, and then uh, more power to you, man. Like, I uh, I would like to get Shilling Tile 
and the uh, who's the uh, there's a that the, when just recently when they had that the, the speaking testifying in front of congress justin was part of it but also there was the other group that's a corporate group where people keep saying it's big tobacco C-pair? yeah c-pair i want to yeah. get that guy and shalene tile talking because people are fearing big tobacco but like honestly at this point besides prohibition people have been getting good weed how they do weed home grows going personal grows are going to exist no matter what but i'm just can we just stop putting people in jail? Can we release and get the shit right and start treating it like what it is? You can because people will grow in their backyards. People will stores will still be a business. No one's going to lose any money. Oh I, no, I, that's not true. Wow. The large MSOs would yeah. miss a lot of money. Ones who are treating their fiefdoms already. That's the problem. That's just bad business. That's bad yeah. on you. For that's America. Like America yeah. is always about feeding on revenue. Like it's yeah. all about. And like again, if companies were good at that whole game of beating on revenue and like the bottom line and all that, companies wouldn't. Companies have like lifespans similar to humans. Like they don't last very long. Like GE is an aberration. Ford is an aberration. Most of them in the S and P five hundred. If you go get it from sixty years ago and then you compare it to today, there's going to be like ninety percent different companies now. So they come in, they get a lot of money, and they die, but they all are going to win. Tom, I'm sorry to keep asking you guys questions because I know you invited me on your show, but Miggy, you just brought up Shaleen Title. And Tom, I feel like you're the person that I've been looking for, at least for thoughts on this question. So Shaleen has really awesome proposals regarding the market, kind of back to our subject we were just talking about, open market, all that stuff. One of the things that I like that she's proposed, and this is what I want your feedback on, is like, she proposes open the market. Don't limit the number of licenses that can be issued, but limit the number of licenses in which one single entity can have. My question to you is, with the way that shell game works in America and all that fucking shit that you were just describing earlier, is that even possible? Because I love the sound of that proposal, but then it sounds like a cat and mouse game. So I'm curious. Real estate investment trust. So I would separate the asset and then I'd be like, fine. And then I would own all the stuff and then Hawthorne. So Uh, kind of like what they're doing today. Uh, Correct. In Illinois. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> that sounds cute. I'm like, right. nice. Not, but then you are sharing some of the wealth because you're splitting it up a little bit. But cannabis is a local aspect of it. Cannabis is like politics. If it's good, it's local. And uh, you want that. I don't, I just think it's going to be interesting. Like people are like, oh, Colombia is going to put us all underwater and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. I can't go down the block to Colombia and, and hang out at the place where I could get like local beer. And I'm assuming one day, it's in Illinois, you're allowed to have consumption lounges. You're not allowed to have beer in that consumption lounge, but you can get a consumption lounge. So you could go have a local, and I'm looking forward to, we do have grower tournaments in the Peoria area. So I'm looking forward to that next summer. That aspect of it needs to be normalized. And so that those people can actually have shops because they're growing. And then how do the people that are growing like that get into the industry, they can't, How, but that's different than if they were trying to make brownies, for example, and it just wasn't weeding it. They could go to their local farmer's market. They could work on a brownie brand. They could get a website, like a Wix site and like sell brownies fucking online and like ship them and all that stuff. But then you put weed in it and suddenly it becomes this social equity game. But you know that brownie point, that's been a thing on the TikToks, the social media is people who create like a food product and then get called out because they don't follow like the FDA, like, regu- right. like there's regulations no matter what you deal with at what level. Well, they, right? right. So that's the cottage industry. There's these acts. Yeah. And so there's this exception that kind of lets for farmers markets, but then as you grow, yes, 
you're going to have to become compliant eventually with the federal the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act. Yeah. Primarily is the one that comes up when you're talking about foodstuffs. And that's what would be good about cannabis one day. Because, dude, we had them here. We had farmer's markets. We had dab lounges and did all this stuff until the law was changed. Because when there was no law, there was no nothing to enforce for the cops. I, there was never a time when a pot shop or a lounge got raided by a local authorities here. It's always been federal, you know, in the medical days. Because the book was very vague. And people, it's Washington State, it's a very liberal. It's my rights, my land, I'm entitled. Yep. Almost uh, like, like that personal border, freedoms, borderline sovereignties and bullshit. Yep. Freedom, <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, and then some of it was true. We had this gentleman here named Frank who owned a bar down, and he had a building. The upstairs he turned into a social club for cannabis consumption. They tried to bust him several times, but because he owned the land, he's like, oh, I'm just doing my business. You can't take my license away because it was legacy. I'm doing all the rules that are out there. So it always takes some badass to make a stance in any of this. And so I, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Sorry. Activists all the way. Yeah, just <clears throat> just like, I'm like an old man. Like, back in my day. We had Thanks a, for hey, uh, that, though, Tom, uh, I appreciate that. Cause like, pe- I said, yeah. thanks for your insight on that. Cause people critique me often for suggesting a more open market. And they're like, all that's going to happen is what in the food supply or the media, you're just going to have five people or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so I'll point to prop- proposals by Shaleen and say, maybe then this will prevent that. And, but then I started to wonder, you're yeah. sitting here describing this shell game, and I'm like, is this even possible to enforce? Yes, but then it's very easy to go around. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah. But that's the world. That's the rule of business. If there's cash flow that's going around, take it. And so then you'll figure out ways to make it legal later. Uh, and it's one of those kind of deals. But it's interesting. And I wanted to thank you for coming on the show and chit chat with us for a while about the industry and just the Chillinois podcast in general. It's not just about the industry. It's about all those things. So they can find you at Chillinois.net, right? Yep. Chillinois.net. So that's C-H-I-L-I-N-O-I-S dot net. And if you go to chillinois.net slash podcast, which Miggy is showing right now, you can see all the platforms we're available on. You can even call into our show. We've got our number listed on that website and everything. So we've got a hotline set up. You can call in and uh, have your voice heard. Yeah, check us out. It's the Chillinois podcast. We do a lot of crazy things. We talk to a lot of crazy people, but it's all good fun. And I think you'll learn a thing or two if you tune in. So thank you so much for the time to talk about my silly little show. Oh, no problem. And I just wanted to thank you for coming on. And if anybody else that's out there tuning in wants to come on because they're in the industry and they want to share their story about it, come on 420 somewhere. It's real easy to do. You can email me at tomcollateralbase.com or find us anywhere. Yeah, you got, we have Miggy's email. Somewhere here, isn't it? There it is. Or you could also send an email over to 420binary at gmail.com and talk with Mick. Next week, we're going to have a whole new schmear of cannabis legalization news. And I'll probably still be trapped in a basement for a few more months. But I'll be working on things until I, I get out of here. Right on, man. See you next Thanks, time, everybody. Thanks, guys.